And this week, we're here to talk about a story in which a famous architect mysteriously abandons her family to disappear into the wilderness and eat human flesh. I don't know what you're doing here. Wendigo Bernadette. Uh, That's a joke for no one. (laughs) That is accurate, because if it was going to be a joke for anyone, it would be me. And I'm just here like, what are you doing? Uh, We are here to talk about Season 1, Episode 12 of Charmed, The Wendigo. Yes. This episode was written by Edith Swenson and directed by James L. Conway. Edith Swenson previously wrote The Fourth Sister, an episode we enjoyed immensely. Yeah, by far one of my favorite episodes of this TV show. This one is not, though. This one isn't, but this one is fun bad, not bad bad, like... It's not boring bad. It's not boring bad. And it's not like some of the ones we've had to deal with recently are. Like, what was up with last episode even? Feats of clay. Feats of clay. Like, this one's bad, but it's fun bad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, This episode was directed by James L. Conway, who directed other Charmed episodes that we'll have coming up that I don't remember. Uh, That old black magic. Oh, uh, that is the one where there's a sorceress who looks kind of like Bernadette Peters, but is not Bernadette Peters, who oh. gets awoken from uh, a cave and wreaks havoc by, I think she shoots snakes at people. All right. All right. He also directed The Honeymoon's Over. Uh, All right. <laughs> yeah. No clue. That one made it, made an impression. Well, you got a sorceress who looks like Bernadette Peter shooting snakes at people. I'm going to remember that episode. That's that's fair. Oh, The Honeymoon's Over is literally the episode where Piper and Leo get called out for, you know, being a couple. Oh. Huh. Points for direct naming, I guess. Yeah. It's the first episode of season three, so we'll get there in a while. Uh, but as for right now, we are still in season one. This is before Wendigos became, like, a big thing. Because there, there was a period there where Wendigos were, like, everywhere. I feel like they became big, like, in the 80s. Because I feel like Marvel was doing stuff with Wendigos in the 80s. Maybe it's a cyclical thing? Yeah, maybe. Because there was a big push, like, there were a couple of horror games that used them as, like, the big bads. Uh, I, I don't want to spoil which ones, but... It's, like, cooler than werewolves, but also werewolves. Yeah, Supernatural used them in a... uh, One of them killed uh, Finn from Glee in, like, a season one episode of Supernatural. Oh, okay. I only watched, like, the first two episodes of Supernatural before. I was like, eh, I'm not into this. Honestly, you might have seen the one with the Wendigo, because it's really early in season one. Oh, maybe, but... It's before the racist truck that tried... I forget if Amy Acker's in the one with the racist truck. A truck that kills racists or a truck that is racist? Uh, It's a truck that kills people who aren't white because it's a racist truck. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, that sounds worse than this episode of Charmed. Yeah. People are not fans of that episode. That episode is not well regarded. 
because it's also it's one of those things where you're like why doesn't anyone just like not be on the road like you're running down the road and there's this truck going after you like there are trees on all sides just run into the trees and the car can't get you yeah right just get off the road well i mean it's the same issue with jaws right like just don't get in the water yeah the shark's not gonna come out of the water and come find you especially the later jaws movies where it's not just like a shark that's terrorizing the beach but actually a specific shark that has a vendetta against a specific family yes like just don't go near the water if a shark has a vendetta against you i mean honestly i feel like if multiple members of my family had been eaten by a shark i would stop going to the ocean at a certain point yeah like there's lots of land that's not shark adjacent thank you yes but uh anyway wendigos have had a resurgence but this predates that and it post dates when they were big in the 80s so this is like off-season wendigos yeah i as someone who has a name which comes into fashion in fairly regular cycles it's true max is a very cyclical name i hadn't thought about that yeah yeah so the episode opens focused on the full moon Mm-hmm. yep yep you know it's a shame we don't do clips at the beginning of our episodes anymore because i would totally do the clip of jenna maroney as the wear lawyer <laughs> from 30 rock I have to finish this deposition because it's almost a full moon. Honestly, I I hear Jenna Maroney saying full moon in that werewolf howl in my head whenever I say full moon now. Tina Fey must have a weakness for werewolves considering. Because she also did werewolf bar mitzvah. And in great news, Katie lives in a dangerous neighborhood. She lives in a uh, 13th floor walk up in the werewolf district. Oh, also in uh, Kimmy Schmidt, the Titus Werewolf episode. Right. Well, not just an episode. Like, he works at the... Horror-themed restaurant theater. Okay, first of all, that's a real place that I actually went when I was in New York. I'm not surprised. But yes. Spooky wine. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess Tina Fey has some sort of werewolf weakness. She should do a new Howling movie. Ooh, I'd watch that. Yeah. I mean, it would probably be more comedic. Yeah. But, you know, the last Howling reboot sucked really hard. They were trying to rip off Twilight, and it's like, that's, no. That's not your strength. So, Piper is stranded out in some park somewhere. Yes, she has a flat tire, and she has to change it, and Phoebe is instructing her over the phone on how to change her tire. She lived in New York. Wait, no, wait, that doesn't work for that. No, she dated a mechanic. She dated a mechanic. Okay, I have to say we're supposed to see how inept Piper is because, like, she doesn't even have all of the pieces of the jack in her car and she's trying to use a wooden spoon. But she is not going to be able to change this tire because most tires that you're going to come across will have been placed on with the rivet guns that, like, shoot the rivets onto the, you know, that, like... Yeah. Right. You can't undo those by hand. That's a really solid point. I'm just saying, like, the idea of changing a tire is such a thing, especially on TV, but most tires cannot be changed if you don't have the little, like, pneumatic gun to change them. Yeah, I, w- I was about to say, as a, uh, as a deeply spoiled millennial, I've never changed a tire myself. Uh, I have AAA, and I use AAA, 
Speaking of, Piper also has AAA, but it isn't until she fails to properly use the jack that doesn't have all the pieces where she's like, I guess I'll just use AAA. Except she doesn't say AAA, she says the Auto Club. The... I'll call the Auto Club. It's very awkward. Does AAA not like it when you are, were they just not willing to risk? I guess they just weren't willing to risk it. Oh no, Triple, well, I guess... I was gonna say triple. It's not that triple A is being portrayed badly, but I guess Piper getting attacked by a Wendigo while calling them probably isn't exactly an advertisement. I mean, it is one of the things that they say, right? They're like, "Are you someplace safe?" Mm. The answer is no. Although Phoebe tells Piper, "You know, be careful. You're out there unarmed," and Piper's like, "Remember, I'm a witch." I can literally freeze time. It's better than mace. So all of you should remember that too. Yeah, they're very conspicuously have each character use and explain their powers in this episode for some reason. Well, it's important that Piper explain them up front because she sure forgets to use them in a few minutes. Yes. So Piper hangs up the phone. Uh, Also, cell phone. Yes, I did notice she's using a cell phone. I was kind of excited about that. She hangs up on Phoebe so that she can call not triple A. And Phoebe goes back to her conversation with Prue. Yeah, they're having dinner at Quake. They're having dinner with Quake, which... Why was Piper not with them? She, she has the family car. I just... She probably had errands from. That's probably why she took the car. Did she drop them at Quake first, or...? Uh, I think Quake is walking distance from their house because they walk a lot. Mm. So I, I think they probably walked over to Quake and she was going to meet them after her errands. That's that's my assumption. I'm that, that that doesn't weird me out. That's fine. I can see that. More than anything, I was like, really? You want to go have dinner where you work? Don't you want to get away? One would think. But I guess she probably gets a discount there. Or maybe even eats for free, so okay. Yeah. And, I mean, they've only got two incomes in this household. Oh, way to bring it around. Thank Be- you. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Uh, Phoebe is ta- uh, Phoebe starts talking to Prue about what they were discussing before Piper called with her Jack emergency. Uh, namely, Phoebe wants a job at Buckland's. I mean, give her a job. Apparently, you're the only one who works there. Seriously. And... Prue's like, are you sure? Because I think you're a screw-up who will fuck up any task no matter how simple that I give you. Also, I already have to see you at home. I don't want to see you at work, too. And Phoebe's like, but you want me to bring money in, right? And she's like, ugh, fine. But remember, if you screw anything up, I will literally murder you. I mean, look, that's fair. It's hard to work with family. Mm. So, you know... Is there not a job that she could give Phoebe that, you know, the two of them wouldn't interact at all? Do they not have a mailroom, perhaps? They definitely don't, because no one works there except for Prue. Point. (laughs) So in the park, Piper is cut off from talking to the auto club people, so she's walking towards a phone booth, which is just sitting illuminated in the middle of the park. So creepy. Yes. She hears a... And not just for us millennials who aren't used to seeing phone booths anymore. Point. She hears a noise and she's like, I don't have to be scared. I have the power of one. And more noises, twigs, animals making weird, like, thumping noises. We very conspicuously hear a heartbeat. And we see a shadowy figure stand up in the woods. 
and Piper starts running, and then she runs into the phone booth and closes herself in. Okay, so this is important because Piper, as she mentioned earlier, has the ability to freeze, but she can only freeze the area she's around. So and by... she can't freeze outside of the room that she's in. Yes. So by going into the phone booth, she limited the space that she could freeze to the inside of the phone booth. Like, we've seen her freeze outside before, right? Like Yeah, the... she could have frozen the Wendigo outside. So the Wendigo chases her, knocks over the phone booth, like, breaks the glass, like, the T-Rex in Jurassic Park, and is reaching down to scratch at her. When some guy comes out of the woods and shoots a flare gun to scare the Wendigo off, Piper literally has to be rescued by some guy, like she's a damsel in distress, and not one-third of the charmed ones. Seriously. Alright, so, time to say something nice about this episode. Okay. I really like the Wendigo design. It feels, honestly, straight out of Buffy. Um, it's way better than Buffy. Well... Like a demon in Buffy, not oh, like okay. the werewolves in Buffy, because the werewolves in Buffy look like weird gorilla dogs. Yeah. But, like, it looks like a Buffy demon. Yeah, yeah, it's got um, yellow contact lens eyes, and... It's covered in fur. Like, it looks legitimately like a monster. Yeah, it... it Being the Wendigo was smart because they sidestepped the Buffy trap of trying to make a werewolf look like a wolf, and then just making it look like a gorilla dog mm. yeah which it's one of my favorite things about early charmed is that there are actually trying with the creature design mm -hmm. like it's not just oh it's someone wearing all black which is basically going to be every demon we get after a certain point in the show around season three yeah after we get far enough into the show all of the villains are just goths yeah it's uh and, and poets. Goths and poets. It's really, really lazy. Yeah. So, after the opening credits, we get roughly five million hours of shots of San Francisco. Okay, I didn't notice this till you brought it up last week, but oh my god, there is like a full minute of establishing shots of San Francisco. We know where we are. And it's... there's like two different establishing shots of the hospital. It's very strange. Anyway, we go from there into the hospital where Andy is there. Okay. I mean, I guess this is closer to homicide than... Yeah, I mean, I guess she was actually attacked. It's an actual attack, but it they think it's an animal attack. I... Eh. Mm. Maybe Andy's just on the charmed one beat, right? Like, he's not actually a homicide detective. He's just following his job at the department is just to follow the charmed ones around and solve any crimes that are adjacent to them so piper's fine she got very mildly scratched she tells them that if she passes out and needs a transfusion she's a b negative it's a very rare blood type and you know what else it is uh what the universal recipient so she could get blood from anyone she could literally have blood from anyone but whatever <laughs> But Andy's like, it's okay. I too have that very rare blood type. This is a thing that you and I share, Piper Hollowell. You know who else has AB negative blood? Uh, who? Jennifer Walters. 
Oh. And Bruce Banner. Oh, yeah. That's how she became She-Hulk. Blood transfusion. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess it's a good thing Andy was here so he could establish that. And the doctor's like, hey, hey, shut up. That was a really light wound and you're a giant, giant baby for coming here. But I wrapped it up. Does baby feel better? And then he wanders off. I mean, it looks really deep. Yeah, like... She probably should have gotten stitches. Like, I I don't get why this guy is being so dismissive of, you know... Yeah. Mm. Okay, wait, so speaking of things that I don't get, then the guy who rescued Piper is there at the hospital, you know, explaining what happened. And he tries to light up a cigarette, and they're like, you can't smoke here! And he's like, but I need to establish this for later. But also... This is all just establishing stuff for the end of the episode. Right, right. And I mean, I, I, I was alive in the early 2000s. I know things were different, but I'm pretty sure even in the early 2000s, you knew you couldn't light up a cigarette in the middle of a hospital. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, No clue. No clue. Weird. So... The guy's like, did you see the creature that attacked you? And Piper's like, yes, I did see a creature which attacked me. And then a Scully shows up? Yeah, an FBI agent, Special Agent Fallon. She's here from the FBI. Ooh. Yes. She's got a Scully cut and they're, she's dressed like Agent Scully. Yes, although she is more receptive to the idea that a mythological creature is going through several states, killing people. Yes. Apparently, this mysterious creature has been murdering people across state lines, which is why the FBI has been brought in. So, are we just acting like you can talk about magic in front of anyone now? Because everyone's being pretty upfront about the fact that this is a cryptid of some sort that's, you know... Yeah, I mean, she just pulls Andy aside and is like, all right, this is... uh." Not human and also not animal. And Andy's like, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. Like, I I get it. There are demons and shit out there. But he doesn't know about witches still, or... And he doesn't realize that the Charmed Ones are witches? Like... I don't know. Really? Oh, speaking of exposition that needs to get dropped on us early, Billy, the one who saved Piper, tells the girls that he knew the flare gun would drive the creature away. Because he found out right before the creature ripped out his fiance's heart <gasps> that it was afraid of fire. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. He says when it ripped out his fiance's heart, it might as well have ripped out his too. God. Yeah. Well, I guess someone graduated from drama school. I mean, he probably did. This is a, this is a television show on a major network. Well, a minor major network. It's a WB. Back at Hallowell Manor, Piper is going through the Book of Shadows, trying to figure out what it is that attacked her. And Prue very conspicuously uses her telekinetic powers to turn off the porridge that's bubbling on the uh, oven. Yeah, before before it boils over. Yeah. I think this is the only time she used... Oh, wait, no. Other than she a, very conspicuously uses her telekinesis later in the episode. How could I have forgotten? Other, but other than the final battle, I think this is the only time we see her use telekinesis. So yeah, I guess we're establishing that. Oh no, I meant the auction scene. Oh, 
gosh, I guess I just forgot about that because it's a really stupid moment in the episode. I guess it just blocked out Prue altogether. I, I, you know what? Until you just said that, I forgot that Prue and Phoebe even had a subplot in this episode. Yeah. So, speaking of, Phoebe and Prue are like, Piper, why are you looking up the creature that attacked you in the Book of Shadows? And she's like, we're witches. We fight demons and stuff, right? And Prue's like, well, we protect innocence from demons and stuff, but this attacked you and you're a charmed one. You're not an innocent, so eh, whatever. Let the FBI handle it. Which is a very odd attitude to have. I mean... We're only on the 12th episode of season one, and we're already getting foreshadowing of the sisters being like, uh, can't someone else deal with it? It's very odd that Piper is the one who's gung-ho about fighting demons in this episode. Normally, she is the first person to get on the giving up train. I mean, it makes sense, though, since it attacked her, so she's taking it personally. Yes. She also talks about feeling bad for, uh, Billy, dead fiancé. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And she finds the Wendigo almost immediately, which the mythology of Wendigos in Charmed is somewhat different than the classic Wendigo mythology. Yes, that's true. Well, let's talk about it here. She's brought it up. Okay, so the classic Wendigo is anybody who eats human flesh in the Yukon becomes a horrifying man-beast, which has an insatiable taste for human flesh. It's basically, hey, if you do... If you do a cannibalism in the Yukon, you're going to be stuck doing cannibalism forever as a giant hairy monster thing. Yeah. Uh, Which is very much not the case here. No, they actually pause for a long time on the Book of Shadows. So if you, in the early 2000s, were recording it on VHS, could pause it and read it or... You know, you can pause it in Netflix. Mm. And it says, The Wendigo is a non-dead creature that roams the earth, destroying the good-hearted and those in love. His fate is to wander the earth, feasting on human hearts. The first Wendigo was a mortal who was betrayed by his sweetheart. In revenge for the treachery, he slew his love and ate her heart. Rather than savor the war... So you get your cannibalism there. There we go. Rather than savor the warmth of revenge... His heart was in turn turned to ice. During daylight hours and the phases of the moon, the Wendigo looks as you or I. Beware the Wendigo on the three days of the full moon, when his strength and appetite are greatest. Beware being attacked and injured. He duplicates himself by slashing, but not killing, his prey. Huh. Okay, so, a couple things here. Yeah. Um... I noticed they're going with the Buffy, the moon is full for three nights thing. Yes, which I think you kind of have to do. Otherwise... Otherwise your werewolf story is going to take a year while you (laughs) wait for the full moon every... Speaking of Jenna Maroney. Right? Um, And two, I think it's pretty clear from that entry that Piper is going to become a Wendigo. Do you think... Do you think Piper just stopped reading after she got the information about what it was and just didn't read the last part of it? Because, you know, you'd think she would have seen the end coming there. I mean, I mean, she does figure it out pretty quickly, but she hides it from people. Piper is 100% the person who gets bit by a zombie at the beginning of the zombie movie and hides it from everyone until she goes full on zombie mode. Seriously. So, at Buckland's, Prue is... Phasing Phoebe gently into the job. She's showing Phoebe items that they're going to auction off. And I guess this auction is like a police unclaimed items auction. 
I don't know why Bucklins is handling that. Yep, unclaimed probate items, uh, assets that were, you know, seized for revenue. Yeah, civil forfeiture, essentially. That's depressing. Yeah. Really, this, a government should be handling this. Like, they wouldn't pass this off to Bucklins. I mean, I guess maybe they could. Yeah, I guess theoretically, the city of San Francisco could have a contract with Bucklands. And I guess that's exactly the kind of thing that Claire would have set up. But it's it's very strange. Claire. <laughs> and we find out that if stuff doesn't sell, it just gets tossed, which I guess makes sense. Yeah. So lot. So they're going through the lots, and one in particular, lot 103, draws their attention. It's a gold bracelet with TL engraved on it. Okay, Prue says it's valued at $375. It looks like something you would buy at Things Remembered in the mall. Or something you would buy at, maybe, Claire's. Well, specifically the engraving looks like Things Remembered style engraving. I think I have that exact bracelet (laughs) from Things Remembered. Yes, it it is not a bracelet one would spend. $375 on? I was going to say probably more than 20 bucks on. No. I mean, maybe maybe 40 ones you throw in the engraving. Yeah. You know what? I'll amend that. It's not something you would spend more than $50 on. Sure. Also, you wouldn't buy it with someone else's initials pre-carved into it. Yeah. Much like last week where it felt like the auction house was doing things that auction houses don't normally do to, like, wedge clay into the plot... Here, I'm like, you're just making up weird scenarios so that Prue and Phoebe can have their subplot. This subplot feels really crowbarred in here. It really is. So, speaking of that subplot... Phoebe touches the bracelet and has a vision of a car going off a cliff. Yeah, okay, and when the car goes off the cliff, the bracelet, like, flies out of a window, and Phoebe's premonition, or postmonition... Because this is something that happened in the past. Zooms in on the bracelet. And Phoebe's like, Prue, this bracelet has something to do with a missing girl in a car crash and we need to do something to, you know, save her or fix it or something. And Prue's like, but the auction's today. What is with (laughs) Prue this episode? Jeez, Piper, it was just a Wendigo attack. Get over it. Jeez, Phoebe, it's just some missing little girl. What's the problem? Honestly, I think Bucklands is, like, really, really going down the drain now that the bank is in charge. Also, like... They're just throwing together auctions at the last second, partnering with the cops. Like, what? what is this? Also, what's the theme of this auction? Crap the police didn't want? I mean, it's it's a police auction, Bucklands is holding a police auction. That's weird. Bucklands is high end. Whatever. This is what happens when a bank takes over, I guess. So Claire comes over and she's like, oh, this cheap ass looking bracelet. With someone else's initials carved into it. Should sell quickly. I'm sure it'll be first off the block. And Phoebe's like, oh no, how are we going to save the missing girl if I can't bracelet? I don't know. I know. This uh, this subplot's not great. No. So at Quake, Piper is meeting up with Billy so that she can tell him 
All the things she learned about Wendigos, except for the fact that she definitely is one now. Jesus Christ. Also, Billy. They're, Charmed is going to have a few more characters named Billy after this. Uh, Yeah, one very significant character named Billy. Oh, right. I forgot. Kelly Cuoco's character. Yeah. I was thinking, like, that guy from that movie that Phoebe's obsessed with is named Billy. And I think the kid who can start fires with his mind... Like, there's there's a few more Billies here, but I guess William's a pretty common name. Yeah, I mean, there were so many Williams in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Angel and Spike. Yes. But, uh, so, so Piper immediately tells Billy everything she learned about Wendigos from the book. She's like, oh, so they eat human hearts, and the first one was a guy whose girlfriend broke up with him, and he was so angry that he ate her heart, and it froze his heart, and then he became a creature that eats hearts. And they're all like, om nom nom hearts. But they're scared of fire. Because their heart is frozen. Yes. Yes. By becoming a Wendigo, by becoming a Wendigo, it means your heart is frozen, and therefore you are scared of fire. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if this will relate to when you were conspicuously lighting a cigarette earlier. Billy's like, you know, you remind me so much of my fiancé. My dead fiancé. My dead fiancé. My dead fiancé who died. Uh, also, he's really impressed that she managed to learn so much about Wendigos so quickly. And she's like, eh, well, Google's a thing. Right? I mean, it's not yet, but still. <laughs> Ask Jeeves is a thing. Right. So he talks about how he's been working with the agent and she's so great and she's definitely not actually the Wendigo. Yeah, I mean, it's she's she's tracking the Wendigo. That's why all of the attacks happen in the cities that she arrives in right after she arrives there. Duh. Honestly, that's a pretty solid cover. Yeah, you're right. I was mocking her, but that is a pretty solid alibi. Yeah. So he tells her that she can she can definitely trust Agent Scully. She won't turn on them at all. She's true blue and she's already a believer. And then he chucks Piper under the chin and wanders off. Yeah. I do like how he was kind of hitting on Piper by talking about how she's like his dead fiance. And Piper's like, yeah, we're not going to be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just want to bring up, I mean, I know her hair hasn't changed in this episode, but her bangs are like super wispy early 2000s bangs in this episode. Yeah, early early Piper does the bangs thing a lot, but it's like aggressive in this episode. Okay, I'm glad that you noticed it too, and it's not just me being sensitive this episode, but they are. Well, I mean, she has her hair pulled back in a ponytail, which I feel like kind of accentuates them a bit. Yeah, you're right. I think she does usually have her hair down. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So she calls Andy to check in to see if they've, I don't know, arrested the Wendigo. And to, and to let him know that Billy is on his way there. To the police station. Basically, she wants Billy to deliver the Wendigo theory and be kind of a middleman between her and Andy, who definitely should have figured out by now that she's a witch. Also, maybe don't call and tell them that Billy's coming over if you don't want them to know that you're involved. Yeah, right? Oh, also, at the police station, Agent Fallon is like, hey, so, um... How come you're so cozy with the girl who was attacked? And Andy's like, oh, well, I used to bang her sister. And basically every case I have now revolves around her or one of her sisters. Yeah, accurate. It's it's kind of like how, uh, you know how you keep on being around for Wendigo attacks? It's kind of like that with the sisters in me and crimes and stuff. 
you know it's it's completely unrelated they're just always in the area mysteriously and agent fallon is like oh well i guess i really can't say anything about that well played well played (laughs) detective andy oh he also mentions that in his investigation he realized that all of the people who have been killed by the wendigo are ab negative and that they've all been killed on nights of the full moon and she's like huh that's a new one ritual suggests some human involvement don't you think and he's like i thought you said that it was a not quite human not quite animal and she's like i say a lot of things agent andy also like i'm sorry inspector andy yeah yeah also like andy has figured out that it's all it happens on the full moon all the victims are the same blood type their hearts are removed they all knew that and we know from Billy that it's afraid of fire. Like, put the pieces together, Andy. World's greatest detective over here. I do love how he's like, I bet it'll kill again tonight. And Agent Fallon's like, okay, why don't we stake out the park where it last attacked someone? Just you and me. You, someone who has the same blood type as all of the people who were attacked. Nothing suspicious about that. Also, I mean... Did her plan involve none of Andy's co-workers following up? Eh, whatever. Oh, it's one of it's one of Andy's classic goof-em-ups being found in the park with his heart ripped out. That Andy. Ugh. Also, where's Daryl? Daryl is not in this episode. Daryl's been gone for a while. Yeah. Poor Daryl. Well, it's okay. He'll he'll move to the uh, spotlight, as it were. Yes. So. She makes a stalking date with him in the park in night where no one else is around. When you're law enforcement, it's it's called stakeout, not stalking, but yes. Well, I mean, because they're hunting a creature. Ah, okay, okay. I think it's still a stakeout, but okay. Yes, they're staking out the park to find the creature. Just him and her alone, you know, alone in the park. Him with his special, special blood type. It's a little weird that she doesn't pitch, like, using him as bait or whatever. Yeah, that would have even made things less suspicious on her, I would think. Yeah, because why why would you assume that it would attack two people in the same park if it's specifically hunting people with the specific blood type? Yeah, huh. Or at least, I feel like they should have... I mean, if she wants to look like she's actually trying to catch this thing, they should be staking out and protecting other people in town who have this rare blood type yeah like that's why i mean it would have made sense if he's like i have this blood type i'll wander around the woods or she suggested it yeah that would have made more sense but he also they both sort of take turns being the scully because over the course of it she's like oh what you're saying suggests ritual which means a person and he's like Maybe it is a person, or maybe it's some sort of special beast. And she's like, do you believe in special beasts? And he's like, do you? And she's like, I do. Do you? And he's like, I don't know. Ritual's a human thing. And it's like, what What are you doing? I think they're flirting, but it comes off just kind of weird. The actress is not great. They are supposed to be flirting, yes. Also, I have to say, if you go back and watch X-Files... Scully is a lot less skeptical than people talk about. She just wants evidence, but she believes things once she has evidence. So it, it actually is an authentic Scully. 
Like, she believes in Wendigo. She has very good evidence for them. Accurate. Yes. Speaking of, so she leaves the office and Billy is outside. We're... Wait, sorry. I only just caught up to this. Piper called Andy and said Billy's on his way. And then she was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go outside. Definitely not to intercept him, just to talk to him or just to leave, just to not be here. Andy really should have caught on to that. Andy's not great at his job. Anyway, so she goes out and Billy's like, hey, I know what the killer is. And she says, oh, why don't I walk you to your car in the parking garage and you can tell me all about it. And he's like, the Wendigo only attacks people in love or people with good hearts. And Okay, sure. Why not? And Agent Fallon's like, sure, buddy. And he's like, look, I know it can take on human form, so maybe it stalks them first. And I know it's going to attack tonight. You know, probably in the same park, just like the other city. Okay, I guess if it attacked people in this same park in the other cities it killed people in, but also how did people with the same blood type keep on being in these parks at night? I mean, it's a rare blood type, right? But it doesn't matter because Billy's Billy just can't give up that habit, right? He takes out his lighter to light a cigarette, and Agent Fallon freaks out. She, like crouches away like a frankenstein monster and, and then she hisses and he's like oh, it's you which is a weird conclusion to jump to but fine maybe she just doesn't like smoking anyway then she lo- <laughs> that's what you need to start doing if you see someone smoking in public now just hiss really loudly and leap backwards oh and also do like the thriller motion with your hands yeah yeah i was gonna say you don't see a lot of people smoking in public anymore but we could do it at people who are vaping mm-hmm. yeah yeah, so then Agent Fallon, like, reaches up with a hand and smacks him in the face and breaks his neck. Yeah, she snaps his neck real easy. Does she, do, do, do the Wendigos have super strength in human form? This Cause... would seem to imply that, yes. Yes. So, Packet Bucklands, Phoebe has been doing some investigation, and she figured out the kind of car that was in her premonition. And she... <laughs> She searched the internet for car accidents involving that kind of car, which tied up the phone lines. Yes. This is the second joke they've done about this. Yeah. Well, it's weird because it feels like that's going to come back. Like, Prue would have missed an important phone call, but no, no. In fact, the thing is, Phoebe got so engrossed that she forgot to tell Prue that Claire was looking for her. So... Phoebe talks more about how the car belonged to someone who kidnapped a girl and the girl was being searched for by this P.I. And uh, she like her her name was Terry Lane and she was kidnapped by her father, which you know what? I appreciate this. Uh, The majority of kidnappings in this country, despite what we're taught to fear, are not by strangers, but by family, family, usually as part of custody disputes. So like. Spot on accuracy charmed? Yes. So Phoebe's very gung-ho about them not selling the bracelet because they might need it to do something so they can reunite this mother and daughter. Well, Phoebe might need it for more visions. Even though her premonitions have never worked like that before. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, Claire comes into the office and is like, oh, here's that bracelet. That bracelet that everyone is already clamoring for. Seriously? I know, right? So she takes the bracelet and, again, Phoebe reiterates that they have to keep it from being sold. This episode really doesn't trust its audience very much, does it? No. I feel like everything that gets said gets said three or four times, just so you know. I think Charmed kind of does that. So... Piper is at work and she is sweating up a storm. Yes, she is very, very overheated. Which Mm. is weird because I thought her heart was turning to ice. Yeah, you'd think that would make one, you know... Chilly? Mm. Quite. And it is a bad day for her to look like she's incredibly sick because the health inspector is doing a surprise inspection today. Yeah, it's weird because she takes him back to the kitchen and she's kind of showing him all their health code compliance stuff. So Piper takes him back to the kitchen and shows him all of the in-compliance things in the kitchen. But then she runs into the meat locker and like presses her head up against some chuck roast because she's so, so hot. And then she's like, all right, we better throw this away. And he tells her she's too sick to be working. She has to go home. But I'm pretty sure... Even though there definitely should be, there is not a health code regulation about working while sick. There should be, hmm. but I'm pretty sure there's not. I'm pretty sure there is one, however, about, uh, you know, sticking meat onto your face. Well, she throws it away. Yeah, because the health inspector comes up from behind her. I mean, he he can he doesn't know that she wasn't going to throw it away. Point. But yeah, so she's sick. She has to go home. And then we go back to the parking garage where the police are photographing the dead body of Billy. And by the way, nobody mentions it, but how embarrassing is it? This guy was murdered in the parking garage of the police station. Yeah, it's weird (laughs) that no one mentions that, especially because Andy's like, this has to be intentional. You don't just fight off a crazed beast one night. And then, you know, get killed by a mugger the next day. I mean, is the current theory that there was a mugger stalking people in the police station's parking garage? I would think that would be the worst place to try mugging people. Although, when I got mugged in Boston, it was within 50 feet of a police officer. Oh. So. I mean, I'm not an expert on mugging, so... Uh, maybe that is a great place to mug people. I don't know, but it, in my lay opinion, it seems like a bad idea. Yes. Well, Andy realizes that this guy was almost certainly killed by the creature who didn't want him to deliver the information that Piper called to say he was coming with. So the next thing they should do is just talk to Piper. So it seems like all of Agent Fallon's ideas were for naught because <laughs> they're just going to get the information from Piper. I was going to say she can't just kill everyone, but that actually seems to be her MO, so. Apparently she's been doing it for a while, so. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at the auction house, they are auctioning off the gold bracelet, and uh, Phoebe tells Prue that she thinks that she's found the little girl, but they need the bracelet to connect the little girl with the mom. Okay, so this private investigator was hired by the mom to find the dad who had kidnapped the girl. And the private investigator never found her, but Phoebe located her with a quick Ask Jeeves search. Where the, she just typed Terry Little into Alta Vista and, oh, there it is. Like, this private investigator was ripping off this mom. I feel bad for her. 
this whole subplot just it's not good okay so here's the thing that really makes me angry about the subplot yes it's very similar to one of my favorite plots from bones okay and i'm like i didn't want the wish version of this bones plot okay either do a good plot or do nothing charmed like there wasn't anything better you could have had phoebe and prue doing or there wasn't a better way to tell this story with them i mean there was a better way it's amazing and it's it's in the christmas episode of bones that i talked about in my every christmas episode ever blog Mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite christmas episodes because the plot is so powerful yeah, no, they need to get the bracelet because that's going to be the only way that they can convince the mother that they found Terry Little. Not to spoil the end of this plot, but I can think of one even better way. Which is also sort of what they end up doing. So, so right? What is the point of them needing to have the bracelet? So, the bracelet goes into onto the auction block and Prue just keeps on telekinetically ripping uh people's auction signs out of their hands paddles paddles yeah she's ripping away people's paddles so that they can't bid on it which i that's i'm pretty sure that's not how auctions work like Like, i'm pretty sure you can just put up your hand well i mean i can see the rule being that you have to put up a paddle but i mean i feel like if everyone's paddles were flying out of their hands it, it, they might pause the auction for a minute and figure out what was going on instead of just being like, oh, I guess no one wants the bracelet. On to the next lot. Into the garbage with this golden bracelet. I guess Phoebe can just have it. What? What? What is happening? What is happening at Buckland's? It's, it was being run better when it was being run by literal demons. <laughs> I assume. We didn't get a lot of auction plot lines when Hannah and Rex were there. Hmm. Meanwhile, back at the manor, Inspector Andy has come to say hi to Piper and check in on her, you know, mauling. And her arm has completely healed. And then she morphs into a Wendigo and murders Inspector Andy, except, uh uh-oh, it was all a dream. Yep, just a dream. And, um, by the way, good on them for making her really look feverish. When she wakes up, she's, like, clearly sweating and... and Bags under the eyes. She's un- Her hair is stringy. She's undergoing a transformation. Although I, I, I still maintain that, you know, it should be making her colder, not hotter. But oh, we'll let that mm-hmm. go. I'll let that go. So, just like in her dream, Inspector Andy's here to talk to her about Billy, who's been horribly, horribly murdered. She tells him he can't come in because she has the flu, and he's like, oh, it's okay, I got the flu shot. It's not really how the flu shot works. Like, there's several strains of flu, she could have another strain of flu. Plus, she probably isn't up to talking. I guess it's a murder investigation. I guess she can suck it up for ten minutes. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Yeah, so, he also brought Agent Fallon, because... uh... That makes sense, they're working on this together. I mean, she pointed out to him at the beginning of the episode that... This case has been passed over to the FBI, so really, she's bringing Andy along as a courtesy. Point. So, uh, Agent Fallon asks uh, Piper, she's like, Billy said that he was delivering information from you. What information is that? And 
Piper's like, oh, that the thing is called a Wendigo, and that it kills on the full moon, and that it likes to eat hearts, and that it's scared of fire, and that it has a heart of ice. and Also that it looks like a human during the day, but transforms into a Wendigo on the full moon. It's like... You're right. I, I, I have, I'm having trouble letting this go. Everyone's just dealing with the fact that this is a cryptid really well. You should have just told Andy, Prue. I know. You should have just told Andy. I know. So. Because, like, he said earlier, he's like, I've dealt with weird stuff before. I mean, to be fair to Prue, the spell involved Andy completely out of character not being able to deal with it because we all know Andy would have dealt with it fine. I don't know. Anyway, Agent Fallon gives Piper her card and says to call if she remembers anything else, like cops do on cop shows. Hmm. And then they... If you remember anything else about how Wendigos work. Right? If you happen to find anything in any old books you have in this house. And then... Although I do love that Andy dismisses everything Piper says with, oh yeah, we already knew that. He does. And then he, like, reaches up and strokes her hair. It's this very, like, big brother kid sister move. And... Combined with Billy kind of chucking her on the chin, like, it's a weird episode for people doing... Weird, unwanted touching on Piper. Yeah. Anyway, once they leave, Piper opens her bandage to look at her arm, and where the scratch was, she's now transforming into a Wendigo. So she just has, like, a square of hair on her arm. That's unfortunate. Yeah. So... It's a weird way to transform, too. It is a weird way also, to Also, like, if it goes through the blood, I feel like it would have got her whole body right now, not just where the scratches are. So there's sort of this weird handheld zoom in on this apartment building. Oh, my God. Okay, let's wrap up Phoebe and Prue's plot. It's very odd. I, I, I feel like we don't normally get establishing shots like it it feels really cheap for an establishing shot you know we haven't really brought it up but there's a lot of very strange shots in this episode like there were a lot of odd choices made during the attack sequence at the beginning yeah and it doesn't feel stylistic it feels a little haphazard yeah it feels sort of like maybe whoever was filming this episode was like fresh out of film school or something i mean i don't think that was the case but well for instance here like you said this establishing shot of the apartment it, it should be a steady cam shot but no it looks handheld and it makes it feel to me like I, i'm sure this isn't the case but it gives the impression of oh we remembered at the last second that we need this establishing shot so we just sent jim out there to get it real quick yeah and it makes it feel like they didn't have a plan when they started this episode and this scene by the way this scene is wrapping up prue and phoebe's plot as i just said and it comes out of nowhere like we saw nothing of what's about to happen being developed but yeah it's like we got sort of the beginning of a plot and then it just cuts straight to the end of that plot that's exactly what it's like so let's talk about the end of that plot it sort of feels like they took something that was supposed to be the a plot for a different episode and they're like okay we need a b plot so let's just take all the middle out of this a plot and it'll be the b plot yeah yeah so phoebe goes to this woman's door she uh she's talking to this woman about how 
she works for an auction house and well she just started today her sister got the job and we found this and we thought you might recognize it and she holds up the bracelet because i guess she has to otherwise the whole bracelet thing was pointless right and the mother harriet she has an obvious look of recognition on her face but then she's like no i've never seen it before you know and she tries to slam the door on phoebe's face but phoebe's like no no please i need you to acknowledge that this is your daughter's bracelet and harriet's like why are you doing this to me why are you doing this to me and phoebe's like you tell must me. say her name out loud for the spell to work. Yeah, she's like, tell me your daughter's name. And Harriet's like, it's it's Terry Lane. My daughter's name is Terry Lane. And Phoebe's like, ah, now that you've said your daughter's name, Prue, show her what's behind door number one. Yeah, it's her daughter. Okay, and her daughter is like 13 years old. And we found out that she was kidnapped when she was five. Okay, so... What? Where has she been for eight years? What is happening? For eight years, nobody did a Google search to find where she was? Because that's the only thing that we have for why Phoebe knows where this girl was. There was no middle to this. She's like, oh, there's a missing girl. And then at the end of the episode, they found her off screen. Her dad died in a car accident. And nobody was like, well, we should find out where this girl should go. Like... Nobody, nobody went to a police station. I'm sure there was a missing persons report. I'm sure the police were investigating this as, you know what, whatever. (laughs) Terry and her mother are reunited and everybody's happy. And somehow this involved a bracelet. I guess. If you have the daughter, you don't need the bracelet. I, and, you know, Phoebe's leading on Prue and she's like, we did a good thing. And Prue's like, no, I did a good thing. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, well, this plot's over now. Yeah. So, (laughs) I I don't know. I'm so upset. Anyway, the phone rings and it's Piper and Piper is upset because she's turning into a Wendigo. Just like the book said she would. (laughs) Just like the book said. As was foretold. So, Antti and Fallon, meanwhile, are in the park doing some serious X-Files cosplay. I Yeah, they are, definitely. With their, like, very early 2000s trench coats. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Real Mulder and Scully vibes right now. And Fallon asks if Andy spent a lot of time in the park with Prue. And he says that Prue was too highbrow for the park. What? Don't neg your ex to the girl who's flirting with you, Andy. And also... What's not highbrow about the park? This is a fancy-ass park. It is a fancy-ass park. Also, like, who doesn't like... uh, Whatever. Parks aren't lowbrow. It's not an Adam Sandler movie. But he asks her if she has any exes, and she's like, oh, I had one. He took everything from me. He ripped out my heart, but I found a way to live without a heart. I live without a heart, and I found a way to make it so that the pain doesn't hurt anymore, Andy. The pain doesn't hurt anymore, Andy. Andy says, I'd love to know how to live without a heart. And Agent Fallon's like, oh, maybe I can show you. 
and then she pivots and she's like, all I'm interested in is sex. Or, oh, does that shock you? A woman who likes sex, Andy? Oh my god. And Andy's like, no, not really. Like, what? Uh, I mean, she's being very suspicious, but also she's being suspicious about a lot of weird, like, it's not necessarily I'm a Wendigo suspicious, it's I'm a huge weirdo suspicious. Oh, so back at Hollowell Manor, Prue and Phoebe get home and Piper shows them what's up with her arm. Also, apparently part of being a Wendigo is getting like <laughs> turned into bitch mode. So so what you're saying is Piper doesn't actually get rid of the Wendigo curse at the end of the episode and she'll have it for the rest of the series. I mean, yeah, here's the thing. She's like snapping at Prue and Phoebe, but like that's not going to stop. Yeah, this is all stuff she'll say not under mystical influence much later in the show. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's great. Prue's like, can you walk? And Piper's like, I'm turning into a Wendigo, Prue. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Oh, yeah, no, I can't walk because I'm turning into a monster that eats people's hearts. You're just going to have to roll the hearts across the floor to me, Prue, because I can't walk now. I mean, to be fair... It's a stupid question. It's a stupid question. Uh, so Phoebe picks up Agent Fallon's card and immediately has a premonition of Agent Fallon turning into a Wendigo. And she's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That yep. makes sense. Totally tracks. So they look in the book to see if there's a way to reverse the Wendigo thing. And... It turns out Piper missed a footnote, which she missed the whole last sentence about being scratched and turning into a Wendigo. But there's a footnote that's like, hey, if you kill the queen Wendigo, then all of the Wendigos she turned also die. So. Yeah. Yep. As much as I was saying that Prue's working at the auction house was being like wedged in here and used to wedge in other things that don't quite fit. At the bottom, it says C.F. Desiderata, mm-hmm. and which, which means to, to go back and to reference that somewhere else in the book, in, confer. Yes. And Prue knows this because she studies old books. Neither Piper nor Phoebe knew that that meant anything. Ah. So her, her classical education was not completely wasted, is what I'm saying. Uh, honestly, I mean, this episode aside... The auction house should be a really good vehicle for plots. Oh, can can we put a pin in that? Can can we like can we pause just on the statement the auction house should be a really good vehicle for plots and revisit it in like 10 minutes? Yes. Okay. So, they're going to werewolf protocol Piper and then they're going to go into the they know that Andy is in the woods with Inspector they, H- they know <laughs> They know that Andy is in the woods with Agent Fallon, so they're going to go, you know, shoot her with a flare gun, which will cure Piper. In the meantime, they're going to chain Piper to a pipe. Hmm. Yeah. They're going to pipe her. No. (laughs) No. No. Phoebe runs out of the room and comes back with handcuffs, and her sisters are like, where'd you get handcuffs? And Phoebe's like, Let's, let's not, let's not dig down on that question. They're sex handcuffs. I use them for sex. 
Yeah, basically. So the son is kind of booking it. Like, they're still wandering around the park. I guess I guess it, uh, it does only kill after sundown, but you do want to be there before sundown. Yeah, so you can, like, stake out a position. But, yeah, the the sun is... The sun was pretty high in the sky when we first saw them in the park, and now it's definitely dusk. So, yeah, you're right. So that sun is setting really fast. And then we see the moon rising, and we actually see the moon rising. Like, it doesn't look like it's a shot that's... It doesn't look like a time-lapse shot, but it is. It's weird. It's another weird choice. And to give them credit, like... Piper, the transformation with Piper is pretty cool. I mean, it's just a simple shift, but, like... Well, I mean, the special effects work. It's really the directorial decisions that are questionable. Yes. So, it turns out that a simple pipe is not enough to contain, you know, Wendigo Piper. I like that she rips herself free of the pipe and then has to separately rip off the handcuffs. Yeah, also, she was able to rip off the handcuffs, so she didn't even need to rip up the pipe. Seriously. Uh, this is what happens, Phoebe, when you buy cheap S&M equipment. So, in the park, it's now, you know, dark, moon. Moon o'clock? It's moon o'clock, which, I mean, it the moon has to have been up for a while, right? The moon is really <laughs> high in the sky. Whatever. Agent Fallon is slowly turning into a Wendigo. Like, only her hands are Wendigo hands, so she can, like, put them behind her back and still flirt with Andy with her face and boobs. Yes, she's like, oh, don't worry, Inspector. My breasts will keep you safe. And then he's like, yeah, thanks, but I'm in a weird passive-aggressive thing with my ex. I don't really have time to throw it into you. And she's like, fine then, Wendigo. Okay, okay. I want to talk about her transformation real fast. Just to say, she takes off her trench coat so that it doesn't rip, but then keeps on her pantsuit. And then when she transforms, it rips off of her Hulk style. And I'm just saying, her pantsuit budget... Has to be ridiculous. Must be ridiculous! It must be out of control! I mean, honestly, she could have been like, Oh, Inspector... I'm so naked, do you want to have sex with me? And then he would have said no, and then she could have turned and still had her clothes. I'm sorry, I can't stop focusing on the fact that she has to buy three new pantsuits every (laughs) month. That's so many pantsuits. Well, she's rolling in that, you know, FBI agent money. (laughs) Yeah. So Andy shoots her a lot, but nothing happens. Because she's a Wendigo. You need to use fire. So she knocks his ass out. And then she starts stripping him, you know. Well, she rips open his shirt so that she can pull out his heart. Yes. But she's doing it slowly. Yeah, she is taking her damn time. Yeah, she's giving Prue and Phoebe time to arrive, which is a mistake. She knows there are at least three people in town, not including Andy, who knows what she is. This is a this is a fast food situation. This is not a savoring your meal situation, Agent Fallon. So she starts rushing at... Uh, phoebe and prue and prue shoots a flare at her and it misses they only have so many flares so yeah yeah they've only got three flares phoebe tells prue that that's all they had at the store so yeah and prue's like well i guess andy's dead we might as well go home you know she's already a wendigo in the park and phoebe's like we haven't seen a body yet what prue is really on not giving a shit mode this episode wait 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 wait. okay okay you're underplaying the moment that happens which is they see the dead body and they're like, oh, I think it's him. 
it doesn't really matter if it's Andy. If you're, you should. If it's a dead body, that's the the important thing is that someone's dead, not that it's someone you know. Also, you know the Wendigo is out there killing people. Like you should stop it, even if Andy isn't the one it's trying to kill. And Prue's like, he's dead, right? Is he dead? He's he's dead. He's definitely dead. And Phoebe's like, he's not dead. Jesus Christ, Prue. So wait, this is this is the great moment. Phoebe goes to shoot the Wendigo, and uh oh, there's two of them. <laughs> I don't know which one I should shoot. And and Prue's like, just shoot one of them and hope that you're right. You've got a one in two chance. Jesus Christ, Prue. Right? So Phoebe fires and then the Wendigo she fires at, turns out it was Piper. It reaches up its hands and instinctively freezes time and stops the flare. <laughs> and I love how Prue just telekinetically moves the flare into uh, Agent Fallon, who burst into flames and then melts but the piper one goes like oh awkward it has this very funny that was awkward awkward facial expression and then it morphs into naked holly marie combs yeah and she runs and hides behind a tree um okay i just want to bring up that Piper didn't remember to use her freezing when she was being chased by a wendigo but wendigo piper remembered how to use it also the cut that the Wendigo made on Inspector Andy disappeared because yeah, because the Wendigo's dead now. Uh, okay, that okay, fine. That was easy. I mean, we have to see that because otherwise, the question would be like, does he turn into a Wendigo too? Like, did killing her work if they killed her before she, before Andy had fully transformed? So we see the cut disappear, and we know Andy's good now too. And Andy wakes up and he's like, "What happened? Where'd it go? What, where, what happened with Agent Fallon?" And Prue's like. Agent Fallon was the Wendigo, and Piper killed her while on one of her naked night jogs. I mean, it's on Andy right now that he doesn't know that they're the Charmed Ones. (laughs) So, we're gonna wrap everything up at Quake. And Prue talks about what she told Andy, and she's like, I told him that Fallon was the Wendigo and that we vanquished her. And Phoebe's like, and he didn't have, like, follow-up questions. And Prue's like, he sure didn't. Uh, Andy never has follow-up questions. I mean, really, honestly, we were giving him a hard time a few weeks ago for arresting Prue for having a feather. But really, he should have more follow-up questions. And Prue talks about how, like... It's the closest we've ever had to having a real conversation. Other than the time that you actually outright told him. Yeah, and Phoebe's like, maybe you could just tell him you're a witch and you could start dating again. And Prue's like, no, I want to drag this out as long as possible. Ugh. All right, okay. I want to unpin that thing that we pinned a few minutes ago. Mm Mm-hmm. So Phoebe tells Prue that she can't work at Buckland's anymore because... Touching all of these items and getting premonitions about innocence that could be helped is just too emotional for her. Oh my god. Is this hinting at her empathy power later? I just... I mean... I just... Gee, I definitely don't want to use my power to save innocence. You know, the thing that supposedly I want to do... And and from a story perspective, from like a structuring the story perspective... We certainly don't want to have this real easy access to one-off plots 
where Phoebe can just come in and have premonitions about things. Seriously. I just... But Piper gets up from the table and she's like, why don't you cram it, shit roosters? And Prue's like, what? And Piper's like, I'm just kidding. That was just a Wendigo joke. And then Alyssa Milano makes this weird scrunch face and the episode ends. Okay. The end. So this episode is fun. Yeah, no, it, it, it's fun to talk. It's fun to rag on. It's not a good episode, though. It's, it's not a good episode, but, like, honestly, if you're going to watch, like, a good, bad episode from season one, you could do worse than this. I think so far, as far as the ones we've covered, this is the best bad episode. Yes. But I think that'll uh, take us to our segments. Ooh, okay. So let's tap into our own power of three. Ooh. So I'm going to, I'm having a, much like Phoebe, I'm having a past munition. Okay. And I'm seeing that the woman who played Agent Fallon was in a bunch of stuff you probably wouldn't remember. But, importantly, uh, she's related to actress and former Guiding Light co-star Melina Kankaridi... I'm sorry, I can't say Greek last names. Can you... uh... Kankaridis. Kankaridis, who I believe was the main character in Providence and one of the main characters in at least a few seasons of CSI New York. Oh. So she's distantly kind of related to someone famous through marriage. Nice. I nice. guess it's not distantly related if it's through marriage. Also, the guy who played Billy, his name is Billy Jane, and you might remember him from being in goddamn everything as very minor characters, including Brett Camber in Cujo, miscellaneous in john tucker must die and ed in united states of terra but he was also he's been in stuff a lot as like one-shot people you might recognize him you might not well um my power of premonition there was one person that i did recognize as soon as i saw him and that was the health inspector yes he might be familiar to those of you who have seen the television show scrubs yes so the health inspector was played by charles chun who played Dr. Wen, the attending surgical guy, doctor, yeah, Tur- Tur- Scrubs. Turk's boss. Turk's boss. Yeah, which he he's he was good in Scrubs. I'm surprised he wasn't in more stuff. I mean, he's been in other stuff too. That was just what I knew him from. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked at his IMDb and he's had a lot of very small supporting roles and stuff. He He's never even really like a co-star, but he's yeah. funny and... He's good in other stuff. He didn't really do much here, but it was neat to see a familiar face. Yes. It's been a while since I've seen a face. I guess I guess that was last week we saw. I, nope. Cut that. It's not true. It's always fun on Charm to see a face where you're like, oh, you're going to go on to be Don Draper. Spoilers for a future premonition. <laughs> oh, you're going to go on to be Dwight from The Office. Oh. <laughs> All right. So I believe that'll take us to our next segment, Time Freeze. What specifically dated this episode? Okay, there's so much that why don't you go first because I've got a lot. Okay, I'm just going to say Agent Fallon in general because she's so clearly Scully. This is so Mm. clearly, her whole thing is so clearly an X-Files riff. Yeah, no, that's a good one. In fact, that wasn't one I was going to say. My my two that I was going to say were both technology related. Oh. One was there being a phone booth in the middle of the park for Piper to even run into. 
And the other is the idea that Phoebe was on dial-up internet and being on the internet tied up Prue's phone line. I guess this also probably shouldn't count, but the idea that, you know, it's surprising that you can't smoke in a hospital. I mean, but, I mean, by that point in the late 90s, come on. I mean, that's fair. Maybe, maybe I'm misremembering my own childhood. Maybe people were smoking all over the place in hospitals. Although, they, they do live in California. I feel like California put the hammer down earlier than a lot yeah, of places. Yeah, I think it definitely did. So, that'll take us to our last segment, telekinesis. What genuinely moved you this episode, if anything? Yeah, I don't have anything for this segment this week. What do you have? I also don't have anything. Like, there's the bit where you can tell this is supposed to be the heartwarming audience thing, where... Phoebe and Prue reunite the mother and her daughter, but it wasn't built up to it all, and it felt so forced and unearned. I mean, you know how much I cry at television shows, and it was like not a thing. It was like it was like that moment on Simpsons with Dr. Hibbert where she's like, Don't you usually laugh at everything? He's like, Yes. Yes, yes I, I do. do. So I guess that'll about do it for this episode. Um, yeah, so next time we're going to be talking about episode 13. Oh, it's episode 13. Okay. Uh. It's, yeah, it's called From Fear to Eternity. And the Netflix description is, On the eve of another Friday the 13th, the sisters learn of a demon who kills... <gasps> Sorry, keep going. Who kills witches after discovering their deepest fears. Barbus, 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 Barbus. Okay, I, I I didn't know this episode was coming so soon. I'm genuinely psyched. Barbus is one of the longest-running threats in the show. I forget who plays him. I want to say Raphael Sabarge. I'm pretty sure it's Raphael Sabarge. But it might be that guy whose name I always get mixed up with, Raphael Sabarge. Should we look it up? We could. It's Billy Drago. Why did I think Raphael Sabarge? It's Billy Drago. But, okay, Barbus is like one of the best characters on this show he's a long runner for literally no goddamn reason other than the fact that oh i guess it's not no goddamn reason it's because billy drago's fucking delightful yeah uh so his first i just pulled it up online his first episode is this one that's coming up and his last episode is in season seven yeah he he's like one of the long-running reoccurring villains that charmed has Although all of his defeats are kind of like when they defeat Freddy Krueger, how it kind of feels like slapped together and you know it's not going to stick because there's going to be another Freddy Krueger movie. Right. So, yeah. Wow. I'm actually genuinely excited for next episode. I, you know what? I am too. I am too now. So I guess that's going to do it for this week. Mm-hmm. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should head over to our Facebook page, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor. Ooh.